All right, Josh, you're back uh, for uh, my cast. So when we last left, left off, I was talking about some of the ideas I was going to be doing in terms of uh, correlation and in terms of linear regression to be able to figure out some of the um, stats for uh, different players, be able to figure out um, you know, if players are performing much better um, than, um, than, than players at, at similar overalls. So anyway, the whole idea... Um, but, you know, there are, this is August 8th, there are some new gridiron notes that just came out. So, before we get into that, uh, we're still about just over a week away from the Madden launch. Just under a week away from the Madden launch, if you have um, the all Madden version. So, I want to talk about these grid, gridiron notes. Um, a couple of things I just want to hit on quick. Uh, the fact that we still have yet to see the entire player ratings for um, Ultimate Team, which is definitely, I don't know, kind of frustrating for me. I think because the fact that, you know, the there's a lot of players uh, that you could potentially get day one. I mean, just figuring out um, your day one team is, you know, something not a lot of people's minds. So just to just to recap, um, you could have rookie premier players, you could have the pre-order, um, what are they calling it, elite player item? Um, that's the 86 overall, that's the Cam Chancellor, Barry Sanders, um, Mike, uh, Michael Parsons, um, there's one more they can't think of. Uh, but basically you could have those players, you're going to be able to get headliners player, that's an 82 overall. Um, actually, I'm, I'm kind of surprised with that one. Like, there's a pre-order um, now and it's 82 overall. I was absolutely sure it was going to be at least 85, 86. So um, I know there was some guy on Twitter that was, like, you know, sort of being like, "Oh, it's just going to be um, like 82 overall," and I I was completely shocked. He was right. Um, so yeah, but anyway, 82 overall day one is, is still good. I just I just want to point that out for everyone, especially if you're looking in the, at the the top 10 list that came out. Most of the top 10 lists end around 84 to 83, so 82 is pretty close to top 10 at a particular position. And if you look at the tight ends, um, I'm pretty sure all the lists, we still haven't seen a list for offensive linemen, which I think was a little frustrating. We know Trent Williams is the 88, but if you, so if you look at the top list for tight ends, the 10th tight end is an 80 overall. So... Um, that 82 headliners player is going to, I don't know if they have a tight end version, but is going to be pretty close to a top 10 player day one. So just want to point that out. Um, a couple things that I also want to point out is, one, touching on that, that overalls, the overalls, um, there seems to be this, uh, I can take a look uh, for last year's data as well, and actually get some concrete data, I just don't have it with me. There seems to be a push for lower overalls to start the year. And with that, lower speed. So um, I do, you know, I, I've talked about the, the sort of the correlation sometimes between um, different statistics and, and overalls. I know speed doesn't show up in most of the the correlation for players. So especially running backs, I think it was 0.37. So you think of the correlation on a scale of negative um, 1, which is not going to apply because if speed goes up, the overall is not going to go down. But negative 1 to 1. And the closer you are to negative 1 or 1, the more that um, that stat correlates to the overall, that attribute. So when you look at speed, it's 0.37. So it's, it's not very high. 
Now, the one caveat I want to put in there, just not to get too deep, is the fact that um, if you look at a position like running back, there's a minimum speed that they're going to put on a running back. So let's say 76 or something like that. No matter how bad a running back gets, they can't get below that speed rating or else they're just going to be a completely inefficient running back. So you think of like a 57 overall um, in, in past years when I've looked at this data. A 57 overall, they're you know not even close to a 99. 95. Even you think about like a 88. But the speed on the 57 overall may be around, um, let's say, 76 or 78 in past years because speed has been a little bit higher. So 78 in past years. Uh, and if you look at that 88 overall, their speed may be 87, maybe like 90, um, especially if you think about day one. So you think about that's not much of a difference in speed compared to the overall. So anyway, that's a quick, just quickly hitting on that. But the idea is that um, even though it's not as closely correlated as some of the other things, such as awareness and ball carrier vision, speed and overall seem to be both going down. So maybe we'll see more of a correlation this year between the two of them. But um, I don't. I've said this in the past. I don't think this is a bad thing um, because the fact that I think that for if you think about when you're on the highway and you think about going 55 miles an hour and the car next to you is going 55 miles an hour, relatively, you're going zero miles per hour to that car. The same holds true in the game of Madden. If day one, you have a running back and let's say his speed is 82 and in past years, it might have been 85 and you have a linebacker his speed is 82, then in past years it might have been 85, then relatively they're just as fast as each other. So you're not seeing that running back run away with the ball because they're running because the linebacker is slow, and you're not seeing the linebacker um, wreak havoc on the running back and the running back being really ineffective because the linebacker speed is slow as well. So I, I think the, the encouragement that I want to give is that look at speed and think about speed relatively to other players. So in years past, uh, speed may have started off mostly like, you know, you think of like those average um, elite players. You know, you think of those top 10 players that they've been showing. In years past, it might have been 85, 86 speed, depending on the position. This year, if you look at linebackers, for example, most of them are... 85 to 80 speed. I'm thinking of Jerron Bentley, who is like an 83 overall, 80 speed. I'm thinking of like Devin White, who is 84, 85, and he's got 83 speed. So somewhere in that range, and I think Fred Warner does have 85 speed. So it's somewhere in that range where it's like between 80 to 85 for those top end guys, because those are really the guys we're looking at, right? We don't care about the linebackers, 57. So those top end guys are somewhere between 80 to 85. So in years past, maybe it would have been 86, 87 speed even. You know, a couple more speed. Think of it in relative terms. That's my challenge, is that think of it in relative terms to other linebackers and to other halfbacks, to other wide receivers. That wide receivers should be typically a little bit faster than running backs. So maybe the average speed for that top 10 wide receiver 
instead of being like 82 is 84. You know, that's the way you want to think about it. You want to think about like an average wide receiver. is it, The average wide receiver is not going to be 87 speed. The average wide receiver might be like 84 instead of 82. Think about it that way. Because if it's all relative, this is going to give... This is one of the things that people have talked about. This is, this is a community feedback that Madden has gotten. I'm going, I'm going to get to the next part in a second. That's to do with this community feedback. But this buildup that happens way too early in Madden, you you know, you get the ultimate, ultimate freeze or um, whatever whatever they, they called it last year, whatever they're going to call it this year. And that buildup is so high that you have a lot of guys that are 95s. They've got 90 speed. Uh, higher than 90 speed. Maybe they got 90 speed as like a tight end or, um, you know, whatever it might be. Um, but, and you have... Um, strategy items, which one of the things I'm going to talk about, and you have power-ups that are going to give you more speed. So you have these, in, in, in of course, team um, camps. We haven't heard anything about team camps, so I'll set that aside for now. All three of those things, strategy items, team camps, and power-ups, going to give you boosts on speed. So you talk about a guy that's 90, and all of a sudden he's 95 speed, and you're talking about the season hasn't even ended. The season hasn't even ended. Uh, the regular season for football, and you have guys that are like 95 speed. We're not talking about Tyreek Hill. These are average guys, and they have a lot of speed. So the point here is to make the game last longer, to make the game a longer life cycle, which is good for players and, for, of course, for um, EA as, as, a, as a gaming company. Um, so I know people may not want, hey, this is good for EA, but this is also good for players. It's going to make the game longer lasting, and if speed is consistent across the board, it doesn't matter that speed is lower, because it's it's um, it's consistently lower for everyone. So I just want to make that, just want to make that point. The other thing um, is the fact that we now have, for core leads at least, no power-ups. So this is something I've talked about in the past on my podcast, and I'm not the only one. I know other people do. But, like, there's just sort of this buildup, and there's sort of this um, training sinkhole that has to do with power-ups, has to do with abilities, has to do with all this stuff. All this stuff that has seemed pretty necessary. I know, I know for competitive is a huge thing as well, but pretty necessary if you want to keep up with, like, the quote-unquote Joneses, if you want to keep up with everyone else. You need to be able to have power-ups. You need to be able to do... Um, have abilities, have the right abilities. So, the one thing that the power-ups did is, uh, sorry, not the one thing. They did a lot of things, but they did important things. The important things that the power-ups did are not going away. The one thing that is going away that is important is the fact that it's going to give you a bonus to every single attribute, including speed. So, as I mentioned, pulling back that speed, think of it relative. Not, I'm going to try to not talk about speed anymore. Um, but the other thing that it had was the X-Factor abilities in the um, ability slots and the team chemistry slots. So originally when power-ups came, back, uh, came out, I'm t- taking you back three, four years? It seems like it's always been there, but it's really only been three or four years. When power-ups came out, there were sets. There was four of them for each team. And each team only got four, and you, were, you had the ability to switch team camps. So there were some teams that happened to have players on different teams that could switch to their team chemistry. 
Um, so a good example of this is maybe like Khalil Mack got one for the Browns, and he could also have Raiders chemistry, for example. So um, that sort of idea that some teams had more, <clears throat> more players that could go into that power path than not only one gave them better stats, better abilities to upgrade, but two gave one theme team more of those high-end players than others. So the other, the other part of this is the fact that most of these players, there was a good mix of them, where some of them were 88s, where they're on the top end, but then suddenly, I remember James White, who's like an 80 overall. He could get power up and be an 81 the first year it came out. So he was one of those four players. So sometimes that 80 overall is going to grow into like a, 80, a 92 by the end of the year. And sometimes the 80 overall is going to be stuck at 84, you know, by the end of the year. So there's a huge disparity in the amount of um, the amount of power ups that each team had, in in, in uh, you know how good those power ups were, <clears throat> just mainly because of the fact that, um, just because of the fact that those players uh, got different. I don't know. They had different years. They 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 went into different promos. They all all this other stuff contributed to the fact that one player might have grown more than another. Um, so that was the impetus for getting making all of um, elite players power up players. So recently, I think it was just last year, might have been the year before, uh, they created a power up item. For every single elite player. So every player is over 80. I think it was the year before. And then this year what they did is. Whenever a player got over 80. They created a power up for that item. So you think about that. That is the exorbitant amount of power ups. So one the nice thing about that. Is the fact that. Theme teams become a lot nicer. You have a guy that starts off as a 74. Not even on your team. He gets like a really nice team of the week item. And then all of a sudden. Not only can he be upgraded to an 85. But he could also have your team's chemistry. So there was a huge boon for, for theme teams. Um, what they've done, when they talked about this for Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson can get either Denver chemistry or the Seahawks chemistry. I believe you don't have to pay training for either one. You could pick your bucket. You could pick your chem bucket uh, for the team. Um, by the way, we don't know if speed is going to be part of team chemistries. We do know that teams... Maybe I'm mistaken here. Someone... someone let me know if I'm mistaken. We do know that um, team chemistries are coming back because of the fact that they do have team chemistries on player items. So the huge part of this uh, is the fact that team chemistry items... Um, I'm sorry. Uh, the fact that players that are elite players that have played for multiple teams are going to be able to get those multiple chemistries. And they're going to be able to get ability chemistries right on the... Um, player item. You don't need the power-up. And so those two things together make it so that the fact that, okay, yes, you're not getting the power-up, but and I think um, all Tier 1 abilities are free to equip as well. And most of them are just 1 AP. Which means you could have, like, I don't know, 6 or 7 um, abilities uh, for players, as long as they don't have X-Factors. As long as you just have 3 as X-Factors. Uh, you know, activated. I believe I believe that's correct. As long as you're under the threshold for for AP, uh, so that is um, that's a huge win. That's a huge win, and um, you don't need to also. In addition to just being hundred uh, 
training points, you don't need to sink a ton of training points into getting this guy up to, you know, you have a player that starts an 80, and his power-ups can start as 68. So you need to upgrade him from 68 all the way up into 80. You need to use training to do that. Maybe, I don't know, it's not much. It's 150 or so, but it's something. Uh, so it just creates a situation where you don't need to put that those resources into um, into training. And it creates much less of a sinkhole. I think it's going to be something that in the end of the year, Madden players are going to realize how much money, how many coins they've saved. Um, just not having to constantly upgrade power players. Maybe downgrade them and then sell them off and then get new ones and um, change chemistry abilities, all of that stuff. I think that in the end, players are going are gonna to realize um, how, how nice that is. So uh, that's that's the big thing there uh, that, I'm, that I'm really excited about. So I, I'll take a quick break, uh, and when we come back, I'll talk about some of the gridiron notes, some of the game modes, um, some of the item binder things that they've talked about in the gridiron notes. All right, so I'm back here, uh, and we're going to talk about the gridiron notes uh, having to do with um, the item binder. I think is what I'll start with first because I don't have as much to say about it, and then the game modes as well. So, the item binder. You know, honestly, I think, you know, I think when this came out, there's there's just sort of this huge sort of groan that instead of gameplay, instead of this, instead of that, you know, navigating menus and item binder, like they put a lot of effort into these things. Um, the one thing that I think about in terms of here, so I, I agree, I want to say first of all, I, I definitely agree with the community that it's kind of frustrating that there's a certain gameplay aspects that people want gone or changed or whatever. And there's obviously dev power that's going into item binders and site navigation. It's obviously a feel bad. But what I will say is, I think similar to coins with power-ups, this is something that's going to feel a lot different once we are in the game. And the reason being this, there's still going to be the frustrations, still going to be the outcry, and really so. Because I think now that the item miner is done, those devs need to make the transition towards gameplay, as long as that's their forte. I don't know. I don't know that much about developing. But um, the point being is that I think that the biggest thing about the item binder is the fact that it's going to get you in. It's not about the item binder itself. It's, go it's just going to get you into gameplays um, and get you upgraded players much, much quicker. It's going to allow players to play football a lot more than deal with collecting, adding players, adding the right players. Um, for what I read in the notes is if you have the players that correspond to that set, they're automatically going to show up as as corresponding to that set. Not only that, this was very interesting. I don't know how many people noticed, but um, EA is running some sort of program that allows your item bar a binder to be scraped for the players that are in it and their current prices on the market. And what it will do is, let's say that you can use any gold, um, any 75 to 79 gold, but all of them cost a thousand. And for some reason, there's one fullback that costs 10,000. What it's going to do is it's going to make sure that that fullback is not put into the set. It's going to give you a recommendation for 
um, who you should put into the set. You can always you can always override it, but it's going to give you sort of a recommendation for who you can put in the set, and it's going to make sure that those you know let's say there's ten gold players to get one elite player. It's going to make sure that those ten gold players are the least expensive on the market gold players in your item binder. I think that is huge. Now, when I think about this, I'm like, wow, that's that's a lot of work and it's a really great program, but if they can do that, why is there some other things they can't do? That's a question I can't answer. But what I can answer is that this system and this way of doing this, where you you want an elite player, you go into the set, you need these 10 gold players, just being able to be like, yeah, go ahead, put those players in with just, I don't know, a few clicks, it says, um, just be able to sort of confirm, all right, I want these players, and then just click and they're in there. You don't need to select individually. Those players are already put in there for you. You only need to do something if you want to change them. It is pretty huge. Um, so I think that is um, a huge upgrade. Uh, and what that's going to do is I think that you can complete a lot of these sets very, very quickly to the point that if there's a particular player that you're trying to do a reroll for, if there's... Um, Maybe not reroll. That's the wrong way to do it. But if there's a particular player you're looking for as as elite or a particular type, let's say that it's an 80, 81 elite set, and you're looking for those 81s, you can do those sets much quicker to the point where you can get the 81s. Then you can go to the 81 set and put in whatever you want. Or if you want a particular player, you can put that player in your lineup. It's going to make it so that those things are done much quicker to the point where your lineup is set and ready to go, and you can play a lot quicker. So if you want to collect, I suppose you can do that as well. But I think that this is going to be a huge thing for um, people that, one, have these huge sets that they open tons of cards and they just need to get rid of those cards. You need need to get 10 cards into one card. That's more more value because you have opened so many packs, you just don't have room in your... All right, so we talked about sets. So the next thing for me, and this is the bigger subject is um, about uh, competitive gameplay. So I, I got to admit, when I first heard this thing about the field pass, I'll address this really quickly. I, I, I'm in this position where I, I feel like I'm not that pessimistic. You know, I, I don't think that Madden is going to make you pay for a field pass. But I, knew, I understand there's a lot of people that, that, that did. So I think, I, you know, that it's probably the wrong... Um, way for them to talk about field pass, uh, and probably the, the the sort of the wrong name, I guess, uh, because it has pass and it kind of sounds similar to battle pass uh, for a lot of other games. But I'm not so pessimistic to, pessimistic to think that Madden is going to charge people uh, for um, just using just just using the field pass, um, but. I don't know. Maybe it'll happen in the future. So, I gotta say, the one thing I was a little skeptical about is the um, the field passes when they talked about them. Uh, the fact that there was a season's field pass, which, by the way, um, as a note, it said, and I know this happens every single year, they end up extending the season, uh, and um, the people are never sure when it's coming. But they said it's going to be about 60 days. 60 days. So that's a really good uh, barometer in terms of 
how you're doing, how much you have to do in terms of um, the next, uh, to, to be able to achieve all the levels. I don't know, they haven't said if the max level is 50. I assume it's 50, the max level is 50. And I don't know how much um, XP you need uh, to, to reach that max level, or to reach every single different level. So it's yet to be determined how hard that's going to be uh, to get uh, based upon based upon what, um, what type of things, um, gosh, what am I thinking? You know, it, it's going to be, it's, it's, I'm not sure exactly how tough it's going to be to achieve that, that, uh, level 50. But what I will say is that it was really nice to see seasons pass. And then also, um, the, um, the sort of, promo passes. Uh, it's nice to be able to see the people that engage with those promos, whether it's maybe house rules or, um, you know, maybe, maybe other solos or doing uh, sets, whatever it may be. People engaging with those things are getting rewarded. But then the other thing is, there is the third season pass, which is the competitive pass. And initially when I heard it, I was like, I am not much of a head-to-head -head player. I just really don't like the... Um, there's certain things I'll go online, and honestly, I, I do like playing against other people, but I cannot stand the repetitive gameplay, especially when it has to do with exploits. I just don't have time to figure out. You know, I do this podcast, which is sort of an extracurricular activity of Madden, but that's about it. I, I don't have a lot of time to go in, and I don't have a money to get a subscription from something like Madden Turf. It's not that those things are bad, it's just that... I don't think the majority of people have the ability to go and either purchase something like that or go in lab to find out uh, different things. So that being said, um, I had concerns when I initially heard the fact that there was going to be competitive um, battle pass, field pass, whatever, I'm already screwing it up, um, a competitive field pass, uh, and I was like, well, what the heck, but if they're a really good pads player, and especially if that pads player is not um, auctionable. I'm never going to be able to get that player. So it was definitely good news to hear on the Gridiron Notes that um, that the fact that you're going to be able to use solo battles as a way to get those competitive pass rewards. In fact, the fact that solo battles... Um, I know they, they mentioned this for Mutt um, Champions. They didn't quite mention it for solo battles where you're going to get your rewards like at that time instead of at the end of the month. Sorry, at the end of the week. But I think the fact that you're going to be going up in different levels means you're going to get most of your rewards through solo battles whenever you achieve that level. So if it's Wednesday, you don't have to wait till Monday for the next week to be able to get level 20 rewards because the fact that you're achieving level 20, so it you're already receiving those rewards. So that's a huge win for me in a couple of ways, obviously. What I said, where you don't have to wait for those rewards, but also the fact that it seems like as a, as a non-head-to-head player, someone that prefers to not to just stay above, like, whatever's going on in head-to-head, -head, just don't have time, I don't want to deal with players that just want to run the same plays, some gl same glitches. Um, you know, I... I, I, I don't I want to stay away from that? But there's players I may want in that season pass. It was great to be able to see that, um, and it seems like there's going to be more functionality involved in solo battles because of the fact that um, they are including solo battles in this competitive pass. It was really great to see that there's a unique way that quote unquote solo players can achieve. 
competitive rewards, head-to-head rewards, whatever you want to call it, non-solo bat, non-solo rewards. Um, so I really like that because you can always go and play head-to-head if if you're just out of games or whatever it may be. Um, it's also nice to see an expansion of solo battles. There are some nights where I just have more time, where I could play three games, but I only have one game left in my four games. Um, so it was really nice to see that you can play four games per night, a max of up to, you know, obviously four times seven, a max of up to 28 games per week. Um, and honestly, I'm not going to have enough time for 28 games per week, so that's plenty for me. I, I think for, especially most people that are playing a bunch of solos, it's probably plenty for them. Well, it's yet to be determined if that's going to be plenty enough to, to rank up in competitive rewards, but that's definitely plenty in terms of time. Um, so that's really nice to be able to see that there is that path uh, for players that just that just don't want to be playing head-to-head. Um, one note, one thing that I do think about is... Are these games four games you can play each day, or are they, do they accumulate? So that's what I mean to say by that is a couple things. One, if you do not sign in on Monday, do you lose those games the same way you would for solo battles if you don't sign, on, <clears throat> sign in on Monday, Tuesday? And two, assuming that maybe you do you do get those games, or let's say you sign in on Monday but you don't actually play one of those games... Do, on Tuesday, if you haven't played any of those games, can you play eight games, or are you limited to just those four games? Do you miss out on Monday's games because you didn't play them on Monday? So that, I think that would be a huge concern because that would kind of, you know, let's say you log in into the weekend. You have, um, you have a really busy week, but your weekend's pretty clear, and you can play eight games in the weekend. You play four Saturday, you can play four Sunday, but you can actually play more than those four. So you actually have a couple of free hours. Maybe you want to stream. I don't know. Well, I guess most people wouldn't be watching solo battle streams. But the idea being, you could, you could, you have a lot of time. Are you able to go in and sort of be like, hey, cool, I'm gonna knock out six of these games. I'm going to, I'm gonna try and run. I'm gonna try and do two clock and get through as many of these games as possible. Or is it like, all right, I only have time Saturday and Sunday. I only have time Monday, I only have time, like, you know, Wednesday and Thursday, so I can only play eight games in that week. So, I think, one, obviously, it's it's going to be better to play the games later in the week, if this is true, because of the fact that, you know, even if you do get, if, let's say you're signing on Wednesday, you can get Monday and Tuesday's games, but they're not going to give you Saturday and Sunday's games early. Um, so, that's something to think about. It's, it's, it's going to obviously be better to play Saturday and Sunday, if this is true. But the other thing is, um, you know, is there ability to play games outside of that particular day? So that's not something they mentioned. It's yet to be... It's something we can we can monitor as, as, as obviously everyone gets into the game and learns the truth. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's something that definitely did catch my eye that, one, it's, it's good to be able to get new game refreshes every day, and two... That it's nice to be able to get an expansion from 13 games all the way up to 28. And that's actually even more than the um, amount of games you can get if you are going to... Um, if you're going to be able to... if Sorry, if you're going to play much champions. You can only play 25 of those games. 
So you actually get more games by playing solo battles. Um, and I'm definitely really excited about that. I think that for me, solo battles is the best way that I think of in terms of testing um, out new players. Um, I'm really going to be trying to go in, of course, using some of the statistical methods, be able to go in and try and figure out, is this particular player playing better? And, you know, it may have to do with how I'm using that player. Uh, but, you know, um, are they getting better average yards per carry you know, over the course of 10 games or whatever it might be? I think that's really the best um, sort of method to be able to figure this stuff out because it's the most constant you can get. You know, you know how you're going to call plays. And typically the player is going to play the same way. I don't want to go down too much of a hole here. So what I will say is the fact that I like solo battles because, one, I can play by myself. Two, they're full games. They're more competitive than um, than regular solos. So it makes you feel like you're in a head-to-head battle. It makes you feel like you're kind of like in a franchise season without having to play franchise and still having to be able to play mutt. And then three, the fact that it's <clears throat> sort of like a level playing field for a lot of your players. You want to go ahead and test players. You want to play a player for 10 games, see if it's worth it, see if it's worth selling that player if he's really expensive. Uh, those type of things. Solo battles is your go-to there. Um, so, at least for me, is. Uh, so that's that's the highlights there for the competitive. Um, the I know they talked about the season champion. They're not really gonna have a traditional mud champion. It's kind of a sad, um, you know, change. I think it's all. I think everyone kind of likes the idea of being able to have that much champion, but I do think that it's sort of necessary works with the field pass. Um, honestly, I, I felt like the much champion, Mutt master, whatever you want to call it was like, you know, it just created this like sort of thing where you're trying to get like 400 sacks or, you know, you're trying to run mid blitz. Like it just created a scenario that, that wasn't that, that helpful. So anyway, that's my thoughts. Let me know what you think. Uh, and then I'll come back uh, a little bit later, hopefully, like, right around when Madden opens, uh, to, to talk some more. All right, thanks, guys.